crisis, enter into political intrigue, and rise above that intrigue to discern the movements of the spirit. They worry about preserving the great tradition in which their identity is rooted. They seek to understand the demands of the present moment and hope for a better future. That those who gather at a council carry lofty titles like Pope, Patriarch, Archbishop, Cardinal, Bishop. None of this should distract us from the fact that they share with us a common faith, a common creed, and that their actions and deliberations represent in concentrated form who we all are as members of this pilgrim church. But what makes the Second Vatican Council particularly interesting is the extent to which the council came perilously close to being a complete failure. In this first lecture, I want to explore the reasons why Vatican II almost failed. In order to do that, I want to look at the crucial preparatory period leading up to the opening of Vatican II, focusing first on two bookend events, January 25th, 1959, and September 11th, 1962. On January 25, 1959, the newly elected Pope, John XXIII, gathered 17 of his closest curial advisors at the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls of Rome. There, he in effect announced the three principal planks for his pontificate. First, he announces his intention to convene a diocesan synod for the local church of Rome. This is indeed quite significant because for a long time, Catholics had been accustomed to thinking of the Pope as Bishop of the Universal Church and had forgotten an important truth that the Pope is only Bishop or leader of the Universal Church because he is Bishop of the local church. Convening a diocesan synod reminds us that Pope John was first Bishop of Rome. Second, he announced his intentions to revise the Code of Canon Law that had been promulgated in 1917 and which, in his mind, was no longer adequate to the needs of the church today. Third, he announces his intention to convene the first ecumenical council in 90 years. Now let's fast forward from that initial announcement of the council to a date merely one month before the council would open. On September 11, 1962, Cardinal Emile Leger, Archbishop of Montreal, drafts an extensive 12-page letter, which he sends to the Pope on that date. The letter would have the accompanying signatures of some of the most important bishops in the upcoming council. Cardinal Frings, Leonard, Dupfner, Sunitz, and Koenig. In Cardinal Leger's letter to the Pope, he warns the Pope that unless the Pope takes immediate action, the council is in peril of failing. The question that we need to consider is, what happened between the announcement of the council on January 25, 1959, and September 11th, one month before the council, to lead Cardinal Leger to give such a dire prediction. Let me propose four 
elements in the council's preparation that led Leger and others to be so pessimistic about the prospects for the council? We begin with the initial period of preparation. The first thing that Pope John does is he creates not a preparatory commission, but a pre-preparatory or an anti-preparatory commission. This commission would be headed by the then Secretary of State, Cardinal Tardini, and its task was to organize uh, the consideration for what exactly would be accomplished at the Council. The anti-preparatory commission, therefore, had three charges. First, the commission would solicit initial proposals from curial officials, bishops, religious superiors, only male religious superiors, university faculties, and theologates. So their task, their first task, is to solicit input from the whole church, from church leadership, about what the council should address.